Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Was the first man in the world to run a mile under four minutes. Let that sink in. He did this in May of 1954. And then the next month, Australian John Landy broke the record by 1.4 seconds. Later that year, in August 1954, the two fastest mile runners in the world met for a historic race at the British Empire Games in Vancouver, Canada. The race was actually being dubbed the Miracle Mile, the race of the century, or the dream race. Can you imagine running a mile under four minutes? I was pretty close to that, but it was more like 14 minutes, and that's not bad, you know? But think about this. Now, Now again, here's what happened. Here's what's very interesting. As Bannister and Landy took off, and they were about to turn the last lap, Landy was ahead, and he looked certain to win. But just as he neared the finish line, he lost focus. And his, and he allowed his mind to wander about Bannister's position. Unable to stand the strain, he finally looked back over his shoulder. And as he did, so his stride faltered. And Bannister, Bannister passed him and broke the tape. Isn't that amazing? You go, Ben... Why would you share that story? Well, think about this for just a moment. I'm sharing this story to stir up in you because I believe if we're being honest in church, we sometimes, in our walks with God, keep looking back. We keep looking back instead of what God has ahead of us. We tend to lose focus, and sometimes we tend to lose those battles. Think about it for just a moment. My goal today is to encourage you to pursue Jesus to press on toward the goal. Now, Paul, in writing to the Philippians, he's going to give us five things today we must consider as we pursue Jesus each and every day. To pursue Jesus. Now, this is really important. Why? Because before we get and jump into our text, I've already laid a foundation where I'm asking you to pursue Jesus, to pursue Jesus. Now, here's what happens. When you go to church and the pastor challenges you, oftentimes we go, okay. And so we sit there and we go, okay, well, he said pursue Jesus. And, and, and we don't allow that to begin to move in us. So, so I thought, well, here's the question that you should be asking. What does pursuing Jesus look like? What does it look like? Because all of you are so amazingly beautiful and talented, you need to know and want to know what that looks like. The reason I ask this, what does pursuing Jesus look like, is because many of us feel like, Ben, you just asked me to do something I don't even have time for. 
You want to add something else to my plate. But listen to me. You're here and you really do desire a change. A change to draw closer to him. To have a deeper, intimate walk with God. So, with your permission, I want to unpack for just a minute what pursuing Jesus might look like. First and foremost, pursuing Jesus looks like a relationship that grows daily. That grows daily. Now, we have to do a simple heart check, and we have to ask ourselves, am I growing each and every day? Am I really growing with God? Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first got saved how everything was so amazing and that you were growing each and every day and the Word of God illuminated to you was so incredible and you just go, wow, I learned this. Oh, it's so good. And when you prayed, you felt the presence of God. And then you've, you sort of, well, you sort of walked with God for a few years and, and now you're kind of going, am, 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 I, am I growing? Am I really growing? We got to be so careful, church, that that we don't simply just attend church and check it off and be like, went to church, amen, let's go about my day, and not really let the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, impact our hearts so that we can draw closer to Him. So ask yourself this question, what does my relationship with Jesus look look like in the daily? On a daily basis, you go, okay. Help me out, Ben. You said I should grow I should grow daily. What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, let me give you this. Number one, are you spending time with him through scripture and prayer? Are you spending time? That's important. And you go, why? Because again, a lot of times we'll we'll discover we're not growing, but our spiritual time will be um, the ride from home to work, listening to whatever is on the radio, whether it's Christian music or even a small teaching. Oh, amen. And then we go to work and we continue. And we often forget that we have to spend time with him. Do you know what it means to spend time with someone? You see, somewhat jokingly, I used Francis and Julie's story, but you need to understand The way Francis told us Julie pursued him is the same way you and I should be pursuing God. We should be knocking, looking in the window, going, hey, I want to spend time. Listen, they've been married 37 years. It worked. So what does that mean? That means they're both so stubborn they weren't going to ever go apart. They're just... So... So pursuing Jesus means that you need to spend time with him in the word of God and in prayer. You see, oftentimes we think prayer is really just me asking, Lord Jesus, here I am, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, we have a good day, amen. And we go on our way. But prayer is asking him, Lord, how are you speaking to me? What do I, where's my blind spot? I I can't see what's coming. Where's my, help me, Lord. And then asking him to help me to grow. Number two is to seek him when you need wisdom. Every one of us in this room are making big decisions and little decisions, and, and we don't seek his wisdom. Ah, oh, it's just life. This is life. If I, if I stumble or trip or fall, that's just life. No, no, no. 
having a, a growing with God means you're going to what? You're going to, hey, Lord, I need wisdom in this. I need wisdom in this. I want to make the right decision. Number three, number three, you pour out your heart to him when you need to process something. Process something. Church, we have to be so careful that we don't just make decisions on the fly. That's not what Christians do. Christians go, let me process this. I need to ask for wisdom. I need to, I need to pour out my heart. God, God, please. I've got a big decision. We're thinking of buying a house. Lord, we're thinking about buying a car. Lord, I know how this is going to impact and, and so forth and so on. And, 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 and do you pour out your heart to him? And what? When you need to process something. You go, maybe it's not a big decision. Maybe it's just a relationship. Maybe it's just things that, that you've got to work through. And, and, and are you processing this through the Holy Spirit and God? Are you processing it? Is he involved in every aspect of your life, whether good or bad? Number four, you listen to his voice as he communicates with you. You listen to his voice. Now, remember what we talked about last week. Do you remember, how do you distinguish his voice and ours? Here's the difference. By spending time with him and being saturated in his word and the power of his Holy Spirit, you'll hear his voice. You'll hear his voice. It's the same way that if my phone were to ring right now and and I didn't have caller ID and it was my wife, how would I know it's my wife? Because I know her voice, doesn't she knows my voice. That's exactly it. And that's how we hear his voice as he communicates with us. Isn't that amazing? And I'll tell you why. Can we be honest in church? Sometimes we feel like God is speaking to us and he sounds a lot like who? Us. Well, I prayed about it. Lord, I prayed and I feel like you're speaking to me, but really it's your own thoughts. It's what you, it's not the Lord. It's you. And then you justify it by going, well, I think, well, I think this is, I want to hear God's voice, or I know it's a distinction from mine. You know that. The Lord knocks on, and I'll tell you when you hear God's voice, when the Lord knocks on your heart and says, hey, I want you to pay for something else. I want you to pay for them. I want you to pay for their groceries. I want you to help out. Whoa, <laughs> that has to be the Lord. Why? Because that's not us, is it? You know what my voice would be saying? They need to pay for me. Are you kidding me? But when you're, when you're obedient to the Lord and you know his voice, you're like, wow. Wow. And, and can I also say this? Can I encourage you? Let's be careful, church. Let's be careful When saying, God told me, make sure it is the Lord. And let's be double careful when we say, well, God told me, he gave me a word for you. Let's be very careful because God's not going to speak a word to me that he's not going to speak to you. What it should be is a confirmation. Hey, you know what? This is on my heart. I don't know, man. God's been showing me something about you. Has he been speaking to you? Dude, I got to tell you, yeah. As a matter of fact, that's confirmation because he's been sharing that in me. But if I go over to Abel and go, Abel, God's got a word for you. He's calling you to be a whatever. And Abel's going, um, hello, God hasn't told me that at all. 
God's got me on a different trajectory. I don't think God's going to tell me if he hasn't told you. Amen? Amen. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Lord, I want to make sure. I want to make sure. So, what does it look like, guys, to pursue Jesus? I gave you four things, and I want you to keep those in mind into our text, because Paul's going to give us even more as we seek a desire and a greater relationship with him. Now, before we move on, let me remind you what we learned last week. Paul taught us about the pursuit of priority. Do you remember what that was? You go, what was that? It was knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus was at the utmost of Paul's heart, knowing Jesus. And we talked all about knowing Jesus You see, my heart as your pastor, that we would all know in a wonderful and a personal, and when I say intimate, it's an intimate way. You know him. You know him. He is your all and all. You understand that. The Lord Jesus is not something that you're going to add to your calendar, or he's not in a numeric system. We go, hey, he's number one. Amen. He is your all in all. That should be the Lord Jesus. Completely. And what Paul writes to you and I is there's ways that we know him. Look at verse uh, 10 of Philippians chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. He says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Look at that, church. Paul says, I want to know. This is, this is Paul. Paul met him faint. There hadn't been any bright light in my life. I wasn't walking on Damascus persecuting the church. Next thing you know, I'm like, ah, I would, I, that was enough for me. That's enough for me. Okay, I know him. I know. Paul's like, I've had all of that. I've had training where Jesus taught me himself. And you know what his goal was? I want to know him. I want to know more. I think God is so amazing. Jesus is so, that we're not, we're going to spend eternity just getting to know him. The heart, the love, the, oh. And Paul's like, okay, I, whew. how many of you had a bright light hit you on the head and knock you off your high horse? And not, not, not many of us, if any. So we should all the more, I want to know him. I want to know him in what? In the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to be conformed to his death. You go, what was Paul? Well, last week we learned three objectives. Do you guys remember them? He wanted us to learn his teaching, the warnings to the Philippian believers. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoiced in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Why? Because there were Judaizers that were following Paul wherever he went. And Paul would go, hey, hey. You want to be saved? Give your heart to Christ. Open up, believe in him, and people would come by the droves. Are you serious? And then the Judaizers would come back and go, hey, no, 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 no. Paul was wrong. You can be saved this way, but you need to do, you need to be circumcised, you need to do this, you need to do that. And they would add a list of works. And Paul says, stop. They're, they're evil people. They're not for Christ. They're just feeding their belly. And Paul says, that's what's going on. And he says, this is his teaching. Why? Because the term dogs, he described the Jewish teachers who emphasized circumcision and keeping the law. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine if at Calvary Chapel Lubbock we said, you can be saved, but you need to keep this, 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 this. Many of us wouldn't be saved. We'll try, but our mind is a very powerful thing. And so I have to, on the daily, fall upon the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. I know he loves me. I know he loves me. You know how I know he loves you? Because the Bible says the soul that sins shall die and you're still alive. And so his grace covers you. His mercy covers you. Sin is that real and it's that destructive. And yet the blood of Jesus covers us even more. That's a great place for an amen. The second thing is Paul gives us his testimony. He gives us an example of the confidence in the flesh. Do you remember what we talked about, right? It's kind of like this. Can you imagine if if I started piling a bunch of books right here? And a bunch of books and diplomas and books. And I said, this all represents Paul's accomplishments before coming to Christ. Things that Paul trusted in making him right with God. And then I would knock him to the floor and represent Paul, trusting in Jesus alone to make him right. That's exactly what we learned. He's like, listen, listen. When it comes to confidence in the flesh, Paul's on the varsity and you and I are on the sidelines. That's the bottom line. We don't have that, what Paul says. But Paul says, that's okay. It's okay to be on the sidelines because I'm not putting any confidence in that either. So, Pastor, are you saying that it's not important to get an education? No, I say pursue what you want to pursue, but remember, that's not what saves you. That's not what saves you. Everything you do in your business world, in your college world, everything you do... Education-wise, is for the glory of God. How are you going to use what you learned at the universities to bring glory to his name? Maybe God is training you up in a beautiful intellectual level so that you could win a lot of intellectuals to Jesus. You go, wow, I never thought of it like that. I thought I was just going to school. I was going to make money. I was, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of what everybody does. They, they go, they graduate high school, they go to college, they get a job, they make some good money, um, have a family, retire, and then just kind of wait to die. That's not God. God says, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. Think about how we're saved, guys, and you jot this down somewhere. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Can I say this? When we get to heaven, nobody up there is going, I'm up here because I... And you and I, what, what person comes to mind, probably more than anyone, about boasting in heaven? I think it would be Billy Graham. I think Billy Graham could stand and go, listen, I led, I led hundreds and thousands to Christ. You know, I had crusades all over the world. And, 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 but you know what Billy Graham's going to do? By the grace of God. By the grace of God, I'm here. Think about, think, about, think about the thief on the cross. Think about the thief on the cross who, prior to dying, was cursing Jesus. Then, then he realizes this is the Messiah, and he says what? Lord, remember me. 
in your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Nah, dude, mm-mm. You've been a bad dude. You need, to, you need to go get theologically correct. You need to know the doctrine of salvation. You need, to, you need to join a church. You need to give money before I leave. Christ didn't say that. What did he say? Today you will be with me in paradise. I think about that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the, the thief on the cross in heaven? And he's looking around, right? And he's like, and the angels come to him and go, why are you here? And he's like, I don't know. But how did you get here? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. And they go get their little tablet and they go, um, are you good? Are you, tell me, are you familiar with the doctrine of, of justification through salvation? And he's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What church did you join? Oh, I don't know. The church? Why are you here? Because the guy in the middle cross said I could come. The guy in the middle cross. And, and I'm thinking, wow. Wow. When you get to heaven, why are you here, Abel? Because the guy in the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> and then Paul talked about his transformation. He talked about his teaching, he talked about his testimony, and then he says, but what things were gained to me? These things I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count these things as lost for the excellent of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. you know what that word rubbish means? It means dung. He says, I count them as poop. Can you say poop behind the pulpit? I don't know. Can you? I... Paul said rubbish, but it's what it really means. He says, I count that. Everything I knew that I thought I could put confidence in, he goes, no, man, I, all of that is just, that's just rubbish. For why, Paul? So that I can gain Christ. Okay, permission to step on your toes? Okay, only two of you. Amen. The rest of you are like, no way. No, think about this. I, I wonder, I'll, I'll preach to me and then you all can listen, okay? I wonder how many times I elevate stuff, things, knowledge, above Christ. I wonder. And Paul says, man, it's really rubbish when you think about it compared to gaining Christ. Now, as long as Christ is your all in all, the rest of it is just his grace, is it not? So if you have an education, if you, if you, I mean, but Christ has to be all in all. It should not be either or. It should not be an either or. And, and I want you to think about what Paul is saying. Everything is worthless compared to the infinite knowledge of knowing, or infinite value of knowing Christ. So I've got to ask, and, and we asked this last, a good indication of knowing, knowing, knowing the Lord is number one. Things that I thought were valuable, underline that. Things I thought were valuable, they're really worthless compared to knowing Christ. What, were, what things did you put a big value on, and now you go, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. All the money in the world, all the money, all the, is really, it's not going to compare to anything from knowing Jesus. 
we don't realize that in a in in a quick stoop the government can money be gone they really could and we're sort of we're sort of um, hoping that the the banks will take care of that or our savings or whatever investments or even retirement, and we don't know that they could, at a moment, just wipe that out to where you and I, our only dependence is going to be the job we have and Jesus. And we won't have anything else, and we'll fight it, and we'll fight it, and we'll fight it, and they could say, sorry for you. This is something we had to do. Now listen to this phrase. This is completely separate, but listen to this phrase. Because a lot of people, they'll use it from now, you'll hear this. They'll say, for the greater good. Jot that down because you're going to hear that. Okay, you need to do this for the greater good. And you're like, wow. Okay, so you've got to, listen, your money, your money, you know, your, your hundreds in the bank, <laughs> your thousands, your hundreds of thousands, we needed that for the greater good. Yeah, and you're like, no, 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 that was, my. so be careful, so, so be careful. Things that I lost sleep over don't mean anything compared with... How many things in our lives have we lost sleep over? Now, some of you, you're not a problem. Your head hits the pillow, you're out for the count. And some of you overthink things. Any overthinker? No, don't raise your hands. But, but there... <laughs> she, she raised her hand. She's like, see, I overthought that. You, you said, no, don't think. But that's how we are. And we go and we lay down and we overthink things. And we run and we're tossing and we're turning. We're trying to. I'll, let me let me just explain this. Last night, last night, I'm trying to watch the football game. It's only about nine o'clock. My eyes feel heavy. I'm really tired in my recliner. And then there's you hear the crowd, so you go and you watch. Uh, and then finally, the game's over, and so you kind of waddle off to bed. As soon as I get in bed, it's like. <laughs> and you start thinking all these things. I'm like, dude, I was like, like I'm talking to myself, dude, you were just asleep. I know. Why couldn't that transfer? Paul says, all my works I count as rubbish so that I could really know Christ. Now, that brings us up to speed here. So today, we're going to put our Remember, the pursuit of priority into action. Into action. How? By simply pursuing Jesus. And Paul will describe five, ready, holy actions we must do in order to pursue Jesus. Five holy actions. So jot these down. You want to take note. You're going to look at them later, and then you can have it. Picking it up in verse 12, the Bible says, in Philippians 3.12, it says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. You guys see that in verse 12. An easier way to understand this would be Paul writing, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, but I press on. To, pos to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me, okay? The very first action we see, guys, is this. Ready? We see a holy dissatisfaction. A holy 
dissatisfaction. You go, what do you mean? If you and I are to pursue Jesus, we must possess a holy dissatisfaction of where we are in our walks. Take a step back and go, okay, okay. Lord, am I good with where I'm at? Am I good? I pray that we would experience a holy discontentment with our lives, where they are, and that we would espouse a hope of what our lives can be. You guys tracking with me? You guys tracking? Here's what we tend to do. Oftentimes, we tend to just kind of get in the groove. We put our walks on cruise control, okay? And we're just, we're just cruising. And, and Paul goes, no, no, no. If you're going to pursue Jesus, there should be a holy dissatisfaction in the sense of, man, I want more. 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 A holy dissatisfaction in our lives, church, will, pre- will cause us to press on. To press on. I'm not happy. I want more. I want more. Don't get caught up in just going, well, this is all there is in Christianity. I can't wait to die to see the rest. He's got his arms. He's going, man, I've got so much more for you. I've got so much more. The word that Paul uses, press on, guys, he's not, he's not discouraged. He's not going, oh, I press on. I'm, but he says, but he's encouraged. Now, you ready? To keep up the chase. To keep up the chase. Okay, do you remember my humorous story about Francis and Julie? He, she kept up the pace. She kept up the chase. She followed him to the gym. She liked him. And then she gave him an ultimatum. See, the stories are two different stories, just so you know. I like Francis's. He told it real good. But the truth is, Wow. You got to remember too, because all of you probably all 2023 it. There wasn't cell phones, there wasn't text, it wasn't any of that. Okay, he told the gym manager if she calls donut. No, I don't know if she told that. But here's the point. The point is, guys, I press on. I press on. I press on. And that's why there's such a turn here in chapter three. Paul moved from knowing Jesus because it all depended on him to pursuing Jesus as it all depends on us. It's one of those seemingly glaring contradictions that we embrace in the Christian faith. If we rest on Jesus for salvation, then let us strive to enter that rest. Okay? If knowing Jesus, because it all depends on him, you go, yes, yes, then I want to pursue him like it all depends on me. I want to go after him. I want to go after him. Hebrews chapter 4.11, jot this down. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What's the writer saying? He's guys, guys, we're going to keep on pressing. We have this holy dissatisfaction. We're going to keep on Moving. Now think about what Paul said. 
life, if anyone in history in the world could have claimed he made it. As a Christian, it was Paul. He, he could have said that. But actually, it's the opposite of what we see here. There's a holy dissatisfaction, a fierce longing for more of Jesus, and that's one of the clearest signs of a person really walking with Jesus. You ready? You want more of him. You want more of him. Church, we should never be satisfied in our walks with God. We should continue to press on daily for more of him. Now, let me stop you right there. You go, well, Ben, 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 listen, I already have enough to do. But listen, when you really want something, you will work hard for it. And you will continue to press on until you get it. You will. That's your human nature. We have to value Christ above all of that. So we see. Think about this story. There was a fellow by the name of Harry. And Harry came out of the manager's office, and he had a look on his face, dismal enough to wilt roses on, on the secretary's desk. Uh, did you get fired? She asked. No, it's not that bad. But he sure did lay into me about my sales record. I can't figure it out. For the past month, I've been bringing in plenty of orders. I thought he'd compliment me, but instead he told me to get with it. Later that day, the secretary talked to her boss about Harry. The boss chuckled. Harry is one of our best salesmen, and I'd hate to lose him, but he has a tendency to rest on his laurels and be satisfied with his performance. If I didn't get him mad at me once a month, he'd never produce. This begs the question, why do we tend to coast in our walks with God? Why do we tend to coast? Simply put, you ready? Because we have a tendency to compare our walks with others on the same journey, and it's usually those who are not making much progress. We tend to look around and go, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's not. I'm doing a lot better than him. I'm doing a lot better than him. And, and that's why we coast. We lower the standard to people instead of saying the standard is Jesus. I just want to get to know him. I just want to get to know him. So first and foremost, we have a holy dissatisfaction with our walks with Jesus. Let me give you number two. You ready? It's a holy focus. A holy focus. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Listen, Paul has a holy focus on what's ahead. He writes, the one thing I do, the one thing I focus on. What is that? You ready? Here it is. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what's ahead. Church, listen, we all have a past. We all have a past. We've all made some bad decisions in our life. We all made some awful choices. We all have a past. I get that. But you need to have a holy focus to, to again, to what? What's the holy focus? To forget the past and look forward to what God has for us, church. Listen. That's the difference between a windshield and a rearview mirror. Let that sink in. You've got a windshield so you can see all the scenery as you're moving forward. And every now and then you look in the rearview mirror to see where you've been. This is going to set some of you free. We're to learn from our past. We're not to live there. 
We are to learn from it. We're not to live there. And the devil and his demons, they want to cause us to live in our past and the bad choices we made. And you'll never, and, and, and so we live there. And we never see what's in front. We never see what's in front. If you'll remember, think about this, the opening story, John Landy, for a second, lost his focus. He gave into temptation to look back. Where is he? And Roger Bannister, that slowed him down for 1.4 seconds and enough to lose the race. Sometimes our struggle is to press on in pursuing Jesus comes from because we're looking back instead of looking forward. Hey, question. How many of you are supermen that you can make the world stop, fly around so you can go back in the past and fix something? None of us are. So the past is the past. And the Lord Jesus has encouraged you today, look forward. Look forward. Look forward. Anyone ever play the game, Would You Rather? Would You Rather? It's an interesting game. Sometimes it ends up at my table during dinner time. And um, you know what that game is. It's really two terrible options, and you have to answer the question, Would You Rather? And anybody ever play that game? Yeah. Let me give you a little taste of it. Usually, here's an example. We would sit there, and it's funny because it's usually when we're eating, so it's even worse. But here's a, would you rather, if you're a germaphobe, lick the doorknob in a public place or lick the bottom of your shoes? Gross, right? Would you rather, and you have to answer. Now, your first thought is, are you kidding me? None. But the answer is, like, you're already thinking about this, right? You're already thinking. I mean, would you rather lick a doorknob or the bottom of your shoe? You're like, I don't want to play this game. I don't, I don't, hmm. No, 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 no. No. Here's the point I tell you this. If you and I lose our focus, then it actually turns into a would you rather game. Whoa, 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 whoa. How so? How so? Hit me, hit me. Because number one, would you rather see many people believe and they give into the guilt and the regret of their past failures? And they believe the toxic lie that they'll never change. So you're over here going, well, this is who I am. This is who I am. Well, what do you mean, would you rather? Well, the opposite of that is this, is that many people can look back and then they rest on old milestones of their spiritual life. Well, man, God used me here, here. I remember back in 1938 or 48 or 50, depending on how old you are, you know, 1970, whatever it might be. And so it's, a, it's what? It's, a, it's, it's not a would you rather. Because I don't want to be over here going, no, God can't use me, I'm a mess, my past stinks, blah, blah, blah. Nor do I want to be going over here, oh, yeah, well, here's all my accomplishments. You know, back in the day, I could throw a football, you know, quarter mile. Anybody get that? Nobody got that, that movie reference. Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico, anyone, anyone? Okay, thank you. You guys, you make it hard to preach. You've got to stay with me here. But I wonder if that's why the church struggles in moving forward. Because we're playing the would you rather, and we're looking back. And we're looking back. Pursuing Jesus means moving forward, a holy 
focus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, reading from the New Living Translation, says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Guys, the veil's removed. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Don't look back. Don't look back. You've learned from your past. Don't live there. Don't live there. Let me give you number three. Number three, you have a holy direction. A holy direction. Look at verse 13. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Here's what the term means. Stretching myself towards, uh, out towards. In other words, Paul is using a metaphor of a runner leaning forward to cross the finish line. You guys remember that? They're running fast and they'll do this. They'll lean as far as they can to cross the taper. That's what it means. So we have to have a holy direction. We have to have a holy direction. And, and here's the point. Do you guys remember this? The church is running, but oftentimes we're, we're not running in the right direction. We're not moving forward. And I think of Paul, I think of Saul before he came, Paul. He was running hard and fast, but do you remember he was running in the wrong direction? And remember what he told us last week in Philippians 3.6. He said this, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness. I mean, he's like, listen, I was running, but I was persecuting the church. Over in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13 says this, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. Okay, here's the picture. Paul is running hard. He was running in the wrong direction. God had to go, stop. Let me get your attention, Paul. Well, you're Saul, but now you're going to be Paul. Now you're going to run hard and fast, but you're going to run in the right direction. You're going to run in the right... You're going to, and I think of all y'all's personality. Our personality before we came to Christ, man, we, whatever we pursued, we did with all our hearts and we, we worked hard for God. And then we get saved and we go, oh, I can't be that. No, that's exactly who you are. The same personality you have. Now for Christ, he's going to use for righteousness. But you got to keep running hard and fast. You got to keep running hard and fast. We are called to a holy direction, moving forward. For Christians, this means becoming more like Jesus. In the book of 1 John, he says that you and I, I'm paraphrasing, should walk like Jesus. The goal should be, when you and I go to the mall, people mistake us for Jesus. That should be the goal. That's why I'm growing a beard. No, I'm kidding. I'm not I'm just. You go, that's a beard? Stop. In the pursuit of Jesus, we're constantly moving forward with the zeal of God for his honor and his glory. Now, I have some bad news. You go, what's that? We're supposed to be moving forward, but let me say this. Look at me, church. This is important. Believers are never still. They're never idle. Listen to me. You are, ne- you are either moving forward or you're moving backward. 
You're not just going, I'm coasting, things are good. For believers, we're either pressing on or we're moving backward. Now, I want to do something, and, and again, permission to step on my toes and your toes. We have to do a heart check. We have to do a heart check. Are we growing? Are we really moving forward? Because if we're not, then we're moving backward. If we're allowing the things of the world to infiltrate our life to a place where we have them in high, high value, guess what, church? We're moving backwards. We're moving backwards. Think about this. I, and and, I, and I, I just want to speak to those who are married here today. Who are married. Who are married. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to use... Um, Let's see, who can I use? Hmm. I'm going to use Raina and Ben. They're in front. Can I use you? Permission? How long have you been married? 44 years. That's good. Amen. Yeah. Raina and Ben. Could you imagine, Ben, that you're pursuing Raina 45 years ago? And you ask her to marry you, and she says, absolutely, Ben, you're just, the, you're just man, whew. you're gorgeous, you're whatever she used to say back in the day, you're handsome, you're whatever, I don't know. And then when you got married, she had pictures of all of her ex-boyfriends, not that you had a lot, Raina, don't, how, how silly would that be? You'd be like, um, Raina, I, I thought I was the only one. Well, you are, you're my one now, but... But him, he was cute, and, and I liked it. He had money. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't fly, would it? 44 years, three months. Right? Three months. Cameron and Caleb, same thing. They just got married. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Caleb, if you went home and Cameron had a picture of some random guy that you'd be like, who's this? That's not going to fly my... Silly, isn't it? But isn't that what we do with God? God, you are my all in all. And then we have all of these pictures of things that are holding our affection. And God's like, that's not going to fly. Ben, what, what are you doing? Well, yeah, Lord, but I'm under grace, so I'm going to keep these portraits with me because I'm under grace. And I'm under mercy and... and I kind of like this, this thing in my life, and I, I kind of like this thing. Lord, Lord, you're still good. We're still dating, right? We're still, we're still good. We're married. He wants us to drop these things in our lives, guys, and focus on him. And focus on him. Let me give you number four. We've got to hurry. A holy determination is found in verse 14, a holy determination. Verse 14, Paul writes again, I press toward the goal. Now, he doesn't write, I press on. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Earlier, Paul said, I press on. Now he writes, I press toward. Here's what I want you to see. This is actually an idiom, and it literally means to pursue a goal, to press toward a goal. Listen, to strive energetically for some purpose, 
to strive toward a goal, to press on with a purpose. Paul says, I press, I work, I strive, I move. This is what I'm all about. It carries the idea, guys, of intense endeavor. It's not something that's like, ah, I press, yeah, I press. I mean, it's that, man, I've, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Let me liken this very quickly to football. Whether you like football or not, I was watching the game last night. And I was watching the intensity in these young men's heart for a football game. And how they, really, they were doing everything they can to win. And it was, it was Notre Dame versus Duke. And these young you could see the faces. They tried so, they were doing whatever they could. And that's the same picture that Paul says. He's like, and what happens? They win the game or they lose the game and they run off the field and they play another one next week. But he says, listen, this is what it means. It's that intense endeavor. And Paul says, this is what we should be doing. This should be our lives. Now remember what Jesus told us. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added unto you. So Paul's not saying, hey, if you follow Jesus, I'm going to take away all your desires. You'll never do anything. You'll just be here. I am a Christian. He says, no, you're going to do all of these, but it's going to be unto the glory of Lord, and I'm going to bless you. Think of Solomon. Think of Solomon. What does Solomon say? He goes, man, I, I just want wisdom too. Solomon, what do you want? I'll give you anything. Lord, I just want wisdom to govern your people. He, didn't, he goes, man, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for women, you didn't ask for per- all of this stuff. He says, man, I'm going to bless you, Solomon. So he sought the kingdom of God and all of these other things. Let me just tell you what happens. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But what I found is when I delight myself in the Lord, my desires change. They're not for me anymore. They're for you. They're for you. They're for others. And that's where I find satisfaction. Delight yourself in the Lord. All right. All right. When you and I pursue Jesus, we have this intense, holy determination. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Hey, let me ask you this. When you have this intense determination to be with the Lord and spend time with him and somebody robs you of that, do you get upset? Oh, this is my time. Oh. It could be work. It could be something else. Not in a mean way, but you just miss that. You're like, oh, I really miss that time with the Lord. And then you start thinking, okay, I can't be here for when I have my quiet time because it's, it's Grand Central Station. I might need to do something different. I might wait till everybody goes to bed to spend time with you, Lord, because I'm, ah, this determination. Last one. Last one. You ready? We say a holy participation. A holy participation. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, and have this mind, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You guys see that? The word is let us, let us. He's saying all of us. Paul is saying right here, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree at some point, he goes, I believe God's going to make it plain for you to see. 
but we must hold on to the progress we've already attained. Attained. Now, you had both the Judaizers and the Gnostics coming in at the same time trying to destroy the church. And the Gnostics goes, oh, no, we have supernatural knowledge of all of this. <laughs> Paul, please. The Judaizers are making you work. The Gnostics, and so Paul's like, no, 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 listen, here's what we need to do. We all need to participate, and sometimes if you get confused, trust that he's going to make it plain to you. How would he make it plain to you? In our pursuit of Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit, you'll see what's right. You got to go, oh, okay. He goes, I believe that, I believe that. So there's this holy participation. Note the words, let us, let all who are spiritually mature. What are we supposed to have? The same mindset. The same mindset. No matter where you are in your walk, pursuing Jesus means the same rule and the same mindset. Where does that come from? His holy word. His holy word. In the section, in this part of Scripture, Paul is exhorting those who are spiritually mature. Now, the word mature means perfect, and you go, well, I'm not perfect. No, you need to grow and mature to hold the same convictions as he does. Think about maturity. Think about maturity. You were once born a baby, you weren't mature. None of us were. But hopefully as we grow up as human beings, we become mature in our thinking. None of us at the age of 45 is still playing in the sandbox over... at the restaurant... By ourselves. You know what I'm saying. We, we, we've grown up a little bit. And, and, and that's what he's saying spiritually. Yeah, you might be a brand new Christian going, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to grow. But there are a lot of us who are mature in the Lord. And he goes, okay, okay. So we have this holy participation. What does that mean? You ready? That means if you're young in the Lord, you find a mature believer and, and help him walk with you. Help me. Help me, help me learn. Help me learn. Help me grow. Because, guys, none of us have made it. We haven't attained. We're still, we're all on the same journey. Some of us are a little bit farther, and those are the ones you pull so that you can grow. So you can grow. This is just a beautiful exhortation of how you and I should grow in Jesus by pursuing him. By pursuing him. Pursuing him. Lord, are you in there? I know you're in there. I've called your phone. Sorry, I didn't understand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, let's close. Next week, next week we're going to learn about our citizenship in heaven. So you don't want to miss that. But before we take communion, what's our takeaway? What are some things that we can apply? Well, again, if you remember last week, we were in pursuit of priority. That priority is knowing Jesus. The word knowing means to know him by experience. And if we're going to experience him, then we must continue to pursue him. You go, Ben, in plain English, don't coast in your walks with God. Don't coast. There's a lot of things that we work hard for. Work hard on knowing him. 
It's not a works for salvation. You're already saved. You're already saved. This is, I want to know him more. Oh, oh, I know what it is. Then I can theologically destroy you and we have a debate. No, no, because it's far better to win the person than to win the argument. We can know the Bible, we can be theologically, but that, that doesn't mean anything if we're losing people to the kingdom of darkness. So what's the takeaway? You ready? We have a holy dissatisfaction with where we are. We go, okay, yep, 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 yep. Uh, a holy discontent. You go, okay. We have a holy focus on where we're going. Okay, a holy focus. How many videos have you seen with people on their phones like this and then they fall off in the, or hit a thing. They're not focused, are they? So we need to put these away, spiritually speaking, and have that holy focus. But then we need to know where we're going. We need to be moving forward, not backward. Let me see if you remember. Do we learn from our past? And right, we learn from our past, but we don't, you guys heard, right? We don't live there. And then we need to have a holy determination. A holy determination. Okay. Okay. Progressive sanctification, guys, is we want to be like Jesus more and more each and every day. So let me ask you a question. Are, have you grown from last year to, to, to this year? Have you grown from five years ago till now? Have you grown from last week? Oh, absolutely. There's a bunch of little buds on me. Amen. Amen. This is good. This is good. This is good. Little bud. Oh, there's a bud. Hey. Wow. Yeah. And then are we together in a holy participation, running hard and fast based on the Word of God? We're together. We have some that are just brand new babies. We look out for them. Those who are spiritually mature, we look out and we pour into. And, and again, there's this holy participation. As we move forward in an ever-changing world, remember, forget those things which are behind let go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Reach forward to those things which are ahead, guys, in that front. Like get, that, get that line to come across. Yes. And press on toward the goal. The prize of the upward call of God. As we get ready to partake in communion together, I'm going to ask that the ushers will come forward. They're going to pray here, and I'm going to ask you to take a moment to let our hearts be ready for God. Father, you are gracious and compassionate and loving and merciful. I thank you for today. I pray for these men as they deliver your supper, Lord, the communion. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.